Let's uh, get ready to look into God's word as soon as my iPad will open. There you go. We have been the last couple of weeks just kind of reviewing as we do normally in the beginning of the year. Uh, we like to look at and the core values that the church has. And for the sake of just a quick review, for those who may not have been with us, a core value is a guiding principle that is the foundation or forms the foundation on which we work or uh, conduct ourselves. And that's a big definition. What it simply means is that core values really define how we live our life. The things that are important to us to maintain. Uh, and so uh, at Belmont, we have three core values. We have the cultivation of God's glory, the cultivation of maturity, and the cultivation of love. And again, for the sake of review, that word cultivate there means to, to promote uh, the development or the growth of something. And so everything that we strive to do at Belmont is to promote the development or the growth of, of these three things. We want everything that we do at Belmont to bring glory to God. And we looked at that word glory, and the word glory means to give honor and, very, and high praise. And so we want everything that we do at Belmont, it is important to us that we structure our ministry around this principle, this, this core value. We want God to be glorified. This is not about a, a, a man. This is not about an organization. We don't want people to look at anyone here in any special way. The only special person in this place is Jesus Christ. And he alone is the one that we want to receive all the praise and the high honor. And then we, we talked last week about this, the cultivation of maturity, that we're not interested in doing fluff pieces. We're not here to, to make everybody feel happy. Uh, I, I want you to be happy, but my job is not to make you happy. My job and, and the ministry we feel that God has given us is to make sure that we share relevant messages and have events structured around this thought. We want people to grow spiritually. I will not be happy if you never grow spiritually. I, I, I want to do things. I want God to give me a message that will stimulate you and I to, to say, I don't want to stay where I'm at spiritually. I want to continue to grow in this journey with God. I want to become mature because we all know what uh, life looks like when you look at a person that maybe is uh, in their 20s, but they act like they're still a teenager. We, we, we all know what it is to see somebody act in an immature way. It doesn't honor their parents, and we want to honor our Heavenly Father. We want to glorify His name. Well, one of the ways we glorify the Lord is continuing to grow spiritually, to make sure that we don't stagnate uh, and come to that place where we're not interested in, in growing spiritually anymore. And so... That's why there are things at Belmont that uh, they sound good, 
but we often say no to them because they don't fall within the structure of this core value. Uh, we ask this, this difficult question sometimes. That's nice, but will it help the people grow spiritually? That's a good thing, but will it really bring glory to God or is it about somebody else or another organization? And today, we find our last core value that we're going to address, and that is the cultivation of love. And that simply means that we seek to try to express the warmth of God's love. Amen. And when I'm by talking about warmth, that just simply means the, the caring expression of God's love. We want people to come here and feel like they've come home. We want people don't to feel like this is my first time here, but everybody treating me like I've always been here. People were welcoming to me. Uh, uh, we want uh, when uh, when there's social gatherings. We are not interested in people just gathering with the people that they know. Uh, that's one of the things that we are always striving to do. Hey, get to know different people. Don't just hang out with the same people. Uh, you see, I hung out with Pastor Jason too long, and now he's disrespecting me. See, you don't want to do that. You got to pick better friends than that. You got to pick better people to hang out with. Church is supposed to be about a family where we are gathering together, not just to hear what God has to say to us, but to take care of that important critical factor. And that is, hey, there's something that we gain spiritually when we're together. I, I appreciate the fact that we can broadcast the services and that we right now are streaming and even later on people can see the video. I appreciate that. But when we were shut down, I mean, you know, man, there, there's a, something that's really missing that you can't get through the internet. And that is the interaction that takes place when we're together. And that was that interaction. It's the expression of love that we all miss. We're created by God to need love, to crave love. And so, I mean, you know, love, in fact, next month, obviously, with being Valentine's, all the wives uh, can attest to this. You just don't want to hear from your husband that he loves you. You want him to show it, don't you? Yes. Wow, my wife was the only one that said yes to that one. <laughs> I gave I, I, I just gave it up so easy for you why so you can say yeah I want my man to sh that, let him show me that he loves me I don't want to just hear it a big word for today that you're going to hear frequently is the word demonstration everybody say that with me demonstration in other words we want to not just talk about love we got to demonstrate love. In fact, listen to Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word demonstrate means to show or prove by example. In other words, again, just simply put, to demonstrate our love means that there's something that you do to prove to, to, that you love that person. And God 
proved his love for you and I. God demonstrated his love for you and I. He showed us his love for all of mankind by sending his only son to die on the cross for all of our sins. And he did that while we were still sinners. In other words, while we were an enemy of God, while we were far from God and did not care anything about God and wanted to live our whole life, while we were estranged, God said, I want to demonstrate to you how much I love you. Though you're in that place, I'm still going to send my son to die for your sin and for my sin. How many are so happy that God did that? How he demonstrates his love for us. Now, becoming a Christian, which, by the way, the word Christian means a simply like Christ, meaning I w- want to structure my life so that I can live it like Christ would live it. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Becoming a Christian or a follower of Jesus means that you and I have to structure our life around what he taught. And what he declared. So let's look at John chapter 13. And let's look at, again, some very familiar passage of scripture. Uh, Oh, got the wrong passage. There it is. Beginning in verse 34. Jesus speaking to his disciples. A new command I give you. Love one another. Come on, say that with me. Love one another. One more time. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you what? Must. Come on. So you what? Must. Must love one another. By this, loving one another, will, uh, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. All right, let's break that down. A new commandment. Sometimes we get hung up on this or there are times where we overlook critical words when we read God, God, God's word. And a critical word in this verse is the word commandment. A commandment, in other words, this is something that Jesus is declaring for every single one of his followers that we are to obey. It is not an option. It is not something that you should consider and then decide whether you want to. It is something that you and I, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we must obey. And that is the commandment to love one another. And if we stop there, we might be even, even there, we might be okay. But we can't stop there. Because Jesus didn't stop there. He said, here's my commandment. I want you to love one another the way I loved you. How many know Jesus loves us with an everlasting love? Jesus loved us when we were not lovable. Jesus knows all of our faults and all of our failures, and he still loves us. And so the commandment from God, if you're going to be my disciples, if you're going to call yourselves Christians, then you need to obey my word. You need to love one another the way I have loved you. As I have demonstrated the the warmth of God's love to you, so you must demonstrate that love to one another because, and here's a fascinating part, 
Jesus said, loving one another the way I have loved you is the proof that you're my disciples. That's how they will know. Who is they? They represent everyone that is not in the kingdom of God. Unsaved family members. Unsaved people. In your community. Unsaved people in your family. In your job or school. See, it's one thing to tell people I'm a Christian. It's another thing to live it. And Jesus said, it's not about Essentially, here's what Jesus is saying. It's not essentially what you say about yourself. It's what others say about you. And if you want others to truly call you a Christian, here's the only way. You have to love one another the way I've loved you. In other words, when the church uh, is living the life that God has indicated it should live, when we are demonstrating the warmth of love in our surroundings, those outside the church look in and say, that's the people of God. Not because they are dressed properly, not because they are able to preach and say hallelujahs, not because of their giving to the poor, although that's a wonderful thing, all these other things, not because they sing great songs, these are all good things. But notice Jesus said, the world will determine, the world will decide that we are in fact the followers of Jesus Christ because we love one another. Because we possess the essence of who God really is and what he's all about. So, if this is the commandment, and now we know why this is the commandment, because if we want to bring glory to God, if we want those without the church to look in and say, these are truly the people of God, then we have to fulfill this commandment to love one another the way Jesus loves us. So now, let's look at it and break it down practically if we could. Let me begin in Mark chapter 12. Let me read uh, beginning in verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength. This, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Okay, so now, for you and I to demonstrate the warmth of God's love toward one another, it begins with understanding that we first must have a passionate love for God. 
Now, now, I know that sounds so elementary, and I know that people say, well, okay, uh, but what's the big deal? Notice that the, when Jesus was asked, what is the first, or in other words, what is the greatest commandment? He quickly responded, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then the second one is love your neighbor the way you love yourself. In fact, in the other gospel, Jesus said, the entire law rests on these two commandments. So we got to look at what does it mean loving God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength. Why did Jesus add that? That you and I are to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. Why are we commanded to love God to that degree? As I considered this, I recognized something. We all have this thing called a sinful nature. We're all born sinful. We're all born separated from God. We're all born with this, uh, this, this, nature that desires to live an independent life. And by independent meaning, we're all born with this, uh, this overwhelming desire to live life the way we want to live it. And that's why the one word in, the voc in our English language that every child learns, and some learn it even before they learn their mama or mom, dada. And it comes out naturally. You never, ever have to teach your child the word no. It's in the DNA. It's woven into that sinful DNA. When they don't want to do something, they, no comes out so easily to them. So we have this sinful nature that we're all born with. Now, that coupled that with the fact that the atmosphere that we live in, there are multiple loves who are always calling for our attention. This world and the system and everything that it has to offer, they, uh, the Bible calls them love attractions. It's why Jesus said, you have to love God with all your heart. Why? Because if you reserve a little bit of your heart for something else, ultimately that something else will take all of your heart. If you reserve, well, you know, I love God, but you know, I also love this, and I don't think that's so wrong. I can tell you, whatever that thing is, and it doesn't have to be sinful outright, whatever it is, ultimately, it will draw you away from God. Yeah. I know there's no amen there, but that's okay. I told you that the cultivation of maturity is we want to share relevant messages that are going to stimulate us to spiritual growth. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Would you say we're coming, we're in the last days? Look, look at all the terrible times that are, we're, we're living in right now. Okay. 
Let's, let's see how he describes the last days and these terrible times. People will be, what's the word? Lovers of themselves. Remember, whatever love you have, if it's not all in for God, it will compete against God. Lovers of themselves, what does that mean? It means life revolves around me. I love myself. I'm number one. I'm what's important. Nothing else is important. If it doesn't help me, I don't care about it. I'm not interested. It's all about me and what I want. There will be lovers of money. Uh-oh. I won't ask by a show of hands, I'm going to love money here, but okay. Let's move on. They'll be boastful, proud, abusive. Listen, young people, disobedient to their parents. Ooh. Ungrateful, unholy. Here it is, verse three. Without what? Without, wait, whoa, without, without love? Yeah, without love. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of what? Pleasures rather than lovers of God. Wow. So the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, is writing to Timothy, who's a young pastor in the church, and saying, Timothy, here's what's going to be happening in the last days. You're going to find all of a sudden that you're going to find yourself in the midst of terrible days. And he begins to describe these terrible days. And did you see how many times the, the fact that there was an, a love other than God mentioned? Love of money, love of pleasures, love of self. And in the end, they chose those rather than to love God. Oh, yeah. See, Paul must have heard the words of, of Jesus because in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, Jesus said this, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. You see, the reason why we have to lay this foundation, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, if we are going to fulfill the commandment of Jesus Christ to love one another, if we want Belmont to be a place where the culture of love is preeminent, then we need to recognize and realize it begins with our love for God. Why? Because I could only love you to the measure that I love God. If my love for God is shaky, I guarantee you my love for you will be shaky. And so it begins with this love for God because if, I, if I'm having a problem with loving God, it is going to shake my world. And so, and, and the, the way we are created, we have to love something. And notice, if I'm not loving God, I'm loving pleasure or I'm loving money, or I'm loving something other than God. 
is drawing my, my heart. That's why I go back to the scripture that, that Jesus is drawing. You got to make sure every day that God gives you breath, you have to make the conscious choice. Today, God, I want to love you with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all my heart, with all my strength, all my soul. I want to make sure I'm all in in my relationship with you, God. And we demonstrate that to God by spending time with him. You can't love somebody that you don't spend time with. That's one of the important reasons why we can't, the Bible said, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. I understand the, the, the situation that we're in. But I, I, I still believe that we can gather safely and still receive that thing that is that nourishment that we get when we are together. The expression of sharing that love one for another. Well, it applies to with God. In these 21 days of prayer and fasting, as Pastor Joey mentioned, if you don't spend time with God, what have you accomplished in the end? One of the purposes for fasting is to demonstrate to God the seriousness of our pursuit of God. Are you with me on that? See, that's all it is. It's all about I'm going to deny myself something, some a physical food so I can get after the spiritual food and get after God. Now, the other thing is if I love God, it's not just about spending time with God. I have to demonstrate that that way, of course. But I also have to demonstrate I love God by obeying him. Listen to the words of Jesus, John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I mean, you know, again, let's talk about the practical relationships. If somebody, if your, if your spouse keeps telling you that they love you, but they're constantly doing things that are go against the grain of, of the relationship, after a while you start questioning. Well, how serious is that love? How real is that love? You keep saying you love me, but look what you keep doing. If we love Jesus, then we have to demonstrate that by saying, okay, God, I want to align my life up with your truth of your word. I want to make sure that I just don't say I love you, but that I live I love you. Psalm 103, verse 10. He, meaning God, does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquity. How many are ecstatic this morning? God doesn't treat you as your sins deserves. He's a merciful God. He's a merciful God. Listen, here's the truth. No one would, beginning with the speaker, there, no one would be alive today if God treated us as our sin deserved. Yeah, right. yes. Every single day, you and I, in one way or capacity or another, we all falter and fail. Yes. But God, who loves us, is gracious and merciful and doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Now, remember, Jesus said, love one another the way I love you. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, 
most important of all, continue to show deep, that word deep means intense, deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Here the apostle Peter is writing to the Christians and he begins, if you read the, the beginning part of that chapter, he's talking about the end is drawing near. As you see the increase of wickedness, as you see things around you getting terrible, Peter is saying, here's top priority for the church, for every believer, every child of God, everyone that calls you Christian. In these terrible times, continue. Make sure you don't stop. Make sure you show not just love, but intense love for each other. Why? Because that's what covers a multitude of sins. Peter said, I know the end is coming. But that's now more than ever before why you need to demonstrate this, this deep love for one another. Because love is what covers a multitude of sin. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is there anyone in this room that has a perfect attitude all the time? Come on, let me see your hand. We want to elevate you to God's status. My wife thinks that I think that I am never wrong. And she's right in that. Why is it that in the fabric of the church we expect perfection? I have more grace for people that are not saved than for people that are saved. My expectations are much higher for the family of God than those that are not part of the family of God. Why is that? I think it's this subconscious cultural teaching that when you become a Christian, you're now perfect. But everybody in this room and those that are with us on the internet, you all know no one's perfect. Amen. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody says things at times they shouldn't say. Reference Pastor Jason this morning. Everybody does things sometimes that they shouldn't do. We all are a work in progress. And so... Knowing that, we should be gracious to one another. And that doesn't mean, see, love covering a multitude of sin doesn't mean we condone sin. It just simply means I choose not to hold that against them. I'm going to cover that. And by the way, covering means you don't let anybody else know either. Because sometimes we, like, we get this religious spirit about us where, well, you know, uh, Pastor Jason hurt me, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to forgive him. But we're talking to somebody else about that. Yes. We're telling somebody else that. Where, see, love covers 
a multitude of sin, which means if somebody hurts me, I'm not, no, not only am I choosing to forgive them, but nobody's going to know that that person hurt me. They, are, they themselves are not even going to know. One of the secrets to having a successful marriage is the willingness to cover sin. See, my Bible tells me in, in Corinthians that love doesn't keep a record of wrong. But Christians are good at keeping record. Oh, yeah. And we're good at, we got this spiritual iPad or iPhone. Not only am I keeping a record, but I'm going to text everybody and copy everybody. I'm going to post that sucker on social media. And now everybody knows your record of wrong. But my Bible says, love covers a multitude of sin. You see, here's why this is so incredible. Because we're living in an age of anger and rage. We're living in a place where sin is being exposed willingly, joyously exposed. And people are gathering on board and then reposting that exposure. Even God's people yes. are following her with comments and then I'm going to spread this to my people and my followers and all of a sudden uh, uh, this thing has been spreading and sadly, the people of God are engaging in that. I don't know about you, but I know I have a ton of faults. I know I have said things to hurt people. I know I have not said things that I should have said that have hurt people. And I, like everybody else, want people to forgive me, not to hold it against me. But my Bible also tells me that with the judgment you judge, God is going to judge you. Remember, he doesn't treat us as our sin deserves. He's gracious and merciful every day. He demonstrates that love by saying, I could expose that sin, but I choose to cover it. And I thank God for that mercy and grace. And the church ought to be a place where we recognize, okay, that happened and it shouldn't have happened. But you know what? I have a decision to make. I can overlook that and move on, or I can make it a big deal and blow it up. And in my 30 years of pastoring, I've discovered I am much better off covering it than uncovering it. I have greater peace when I can let that thing go and move on because I realize, yeah, they failed, but I have failed more than they have. And therefore, I choose to cover that. And in these last days, people are starving for a place that they can come to where there is love where they can come in knowing they're not perfect, but they are still accepted. I want to encourage us, church. That's the culture and the atmosphere we want to maintain in, in Belmont. I don't want anybody, everybody coming in here thinking that they have to be perfected before they get into the doors. No, no. You come as you are. Because all of us are a work in progress. And you may think that I'm cleaner than you, but I'm not. 
We all need constant cleansing from the Lord. We all need God continuing to work on our attitudes, on our character. And I thank God that he graciously does that. And so we want to create and maintain this atmosphere of the warmth of God's love that people feel, I know I'm not perfect, but somehow those people still like me and they love me and they've accepted me into their their church family. I can love you without agreeing with your lifestyle or your choices. You can do the same. And that's how we fulfill the commandment to love others the way I love you. Pastor Jason, if you would come, please. Listen, if the spirit in the church is the same as the spirit outside the church, why would people want to come? I think in the end, people are starving for a turnaround. We are racing toward the end times. And there is this anger and rage that I don't believe is going to go away. It's going to get darker. The times are going to get more wickedness. And Jesus said, because of it, the love of most will grow cold. That love for God will wane. We are in a battle for our soul. And the only way we win that battle is we have to stay passionately in love with God. We have to, every day that he gives us breath, say, today is a day. God, I thank you for it. And now I want to give you all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. I want to love you that way, God. I want to love you that way by spending time with you, reading your love letter to me, God. I want to love you and demonstrate my love for you by loving one another, loving others. Because the Bible says, It's a lie. You're deceived if you proclaim that you love God, but you fail to love the body of Christ. And yet sometimes we feel like I can do that. I can go to church. I can love God. And then I can go back home. As soon as the amen is said, Pastor Carlos, I hear the amen in the car and I'm out. I got no relationships with anybody in the church. Nobody has relationships with me. And I like it that way. Listen, my brother, my sister, you're deceived. You cannot love God if you don't love the people of God. I don't say that. God's word declares that. This is a critical time that we are in. And the turning around to see our loved ones come into the kingdom and be saved is going to be determined by love they come in and there's an atmosphere that we cultivate we promote and we do things that grow our love for one another stand with me would you please